Welcome to the Poptus Podcast. I'm Jordan Edwards. Today's guest is Red Gold Green, a band that met as high school students in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Guitarist Red is from a California family. Gold, the bassist, has Romanian roots, and vocalist Green grew up the child of Haitian immigrants. Their debut single, I Love Lamp, caught the attention of Dave Grohl, and a collaboration with Pharrell Williams soon followed. They're currently working on their fourth LP, and today I'll be talking with Red. Hey, Jordan, how are you, man? Good, good, good. Northern Virginia is a very, I guess for lack of a better term, sterile environment. It's very suburban. How would you describe your, on the musical side, uh, how would you describe your your upbringing? What did you listen to growing up? Well, there's two parts to that. There's what we listen to in the house. Like, you know, each of our families listen to different things as kids, you know. We all sort of had things in common, like Michael Jackson, maybe the Beatles, you know what I mean? Um, but then, like, my family, we listened to, like, BB and CC Winans and, like, their Christmas album, for example. Like, that always came out every year. And then, like, in Green's family, they listened to lots of, like, you know, traditional, like, Haitian music and stuff like that. So, because his parents are from Haiti. Um, I mean, Gold obviously had all of his Romanian music that he listened to and stuff like that as well as, you know, things we had in common. So musically, there's that. Plus the other side of it is since we were close enough to DC to have the same radio stations and stuff, we would get the 93.9, 95.5, and they would play like at 10 p.m. They would play, now this is back when you could record, you could put in a tape and a cassette and record the radio. Yeah. So we would, uh, we would like make our own little tapes of like the go-go stuff that they were playing, you know, at, at night. So we, we had that as well. Um, so regionally, our, you know, our common thread musically um, is go-go, but, you know, outside of our own region, we have, you know, same thing everybody else kind of has. Yeah. You mentioned the go-go and I also can hear some of that, DC hardcore a little bit coming through in your music. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Gold knew about that way before me and Green did. And then I remember because there was a time when me and Green like just found out about it, like Minor Threat and obviously Bad Brains, whatever. And we were big on Bad Brains for like a long time. I actually have a, I have a Bad Brains time. tattoo on the back of my arm. Yeah? Yeah, I have, a, I have the Lightning Bolt and PMA. I have Lightning Bolt and PMA underneath it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We call one of our, uh, our tour manager's brother, we call him PMA. <laughs> Yeah. And I sort of forget why. Yeah. And we've used, we've used in our Deuce World logo. Um, Deuce World is the record label, our, our own record label. We've used lightning bolts in it, obviously to pay homage to, to the Bad Brains. Um, and uh, I remember when me and Green first heard about Bad Brains, we didn't, we never heard anything like that. You know, like there's it still music sounds like insane to this day. Michael Jackson and there's like, HR and bad brains and like they're so different sonically yeah that it just it just opens you up to like the possibilities of stuff so when we first started doing shows we would you know we weren't playing to we didn't have in-ears we weren't playing to a click or anything so all of our stuff was super fast like we all had no sense of tempo or timing you know how did you guys did you guys go to school together tell me about your origin story how you guys became a band it was so we all went to the same high school and we didn't all know each other off top. I mean, obviously no one knows anybody off top, but we had another band, the three of us plus Blue, our other friend. Um, and I was in the same English class as Blue. Green was my, I moved when I, 
because I came from Herndon, moved into Reston to go to South Lakes. And so when I got there, Green was actually my neighbor. He's in the same neighborhood and he lived across like two houses down or whatever. So I knew Blue and then Blue is hanging out with Green. And then I realized that Green is my neighbor. And then a couple years down the line or whatever, we end up meeting Gold, who plays basketball on the same basketball court as Green and them did like after school. So like ride the bus after and play basketball because we had another friend who lived over in that part of Reston or whatever. So we all just sort of met very organically. And Gold was coming from a um, like a rock band. He had a band called Common Effect, um, C-O-M-M-O-N Effect. And um, so he, he had that sensibility. He, he brought that originally to the table, um, but then also had a love for like Biggie and, and uh, Q-Tip, Tribe Call Quest, all this kind of stuff. So it wasn't weird. It wasn't like some weird mashup of, of styles. It was something that we were all sort of into. And to an extent, there was, we shared things back and forth as well. Like he shared with us Foo Fighters and we sort of shared with him N-E-R-D and Pharrell. So he hadn't really heard some of that stuff until we showed it to him. Same thing goes the other way with, with the Foo Fighters. And so as we started to work more and more together, we started to just create so many different styles and we were never afraid to try something. We never felt one dimensional because we're not like, you know, Kings of Leon, for example, they're all brothers and cousins or whatever. And they dress similarly and they also look similar. And the music they make is like one kind of music for the most part, or they're known for one style of music, right? Whereas we come from so many different, like different corners of the earth. We come together, we have these vastly different backgrounds. All of us are bilingual, um, at least, you know? And, and so when it comes time to make music, which is internationally known as the international language, you know, we, um, I don't know, we were just never afraid to try things. So when it came down to writing songs like I Love Lamp, we had no hesitation about taking this this go-go bounce beat, mixing it with like surf rock guitars, like sort of stuff like a Vampire Weekend was at the time, you know, the like Afro-Caribbean kind of clean guitar sounds and stuff like that. Um, so we just sort of put it together and a uh, funny story, actually, when we put that song out, we put that song out on accident because we, we had SoundCloud at the time. So we put it on our SoundCloud, not really knowing how it worked exactly. And we didn't make it private. So it just was out. And someone wrote a blog post about it saying, wait a minute, this, because the band was RDGLDGRN, you know, coming from the previous band. And so they were like, wait, this sounds like these other guys I know. But I don't know. This song just kind of drops. It's kind of weird. You know, check it out. And so it was cool to see that someone made that correlation between a, a band. We hadn't told anybody about the band, but someone could tell that it was, you know, the members of the, the former band. Everyone should be so lucky to accidentally upload something and people like it and start writing about it. You sound like, oh, these, these, they started writing about us. Oh man. It happened. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned Foo Fighters and you're famously, you, you famously, got a boost from Dave Grohl and he played drums on your first album. Tell me about how that came about, how you met him and how he ended up uh, working on that record with you. I got to start by saying that Regal Green is easily one of the luckiest bands of all time, <laughs> just because there's no rhyme or reason. 
why it happened. I can only tell you how it happened, right? So we had written the song, I Love Lamp. It got, you know, the short version. We, we sort of got picked up by, um, we got hit up by certain record labels. Uh, we ended up going with Universal. And then as part of that, we were working out of Sound City, the studios in Van Nuys. And coincidentally, the guy who runs, um, so we were, we were on Fairfax Recordings, which was underneath Universal. Um, the guy who was running Sound City and the label was work, you know, he was, he was friends with Dave Grohl because his, their kids went to the same school. He hits up Dave and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I got these guys in here, man. Like, you know, they're from Virginia, you know, you're from Virginia, check it out, see what you think, whatever. He writes back and he's like, oh yeah, no, fuck it, it'll be great. So uh, he comes in, plays on I Love Lamp. He does like three takes, which it's weird for us to see, right? So Dave Grohl, of all people, walks in, you know, walks into the drum room and he plays the beat that we programmed on, on computer, you know? So we're like watching this moment happen, knowing that this is this moment is happening. And he goes and he plays it the first time through and we're just confused. We're just bewildered, right? And uh, he comes out and he's like, oh, let me take another pass. So he takes a couple more passes. We had the very first take he did, right? Because of course he killed him. Uh, so those are, you know, obviously Dave is what you hear on Out of Lamp and all the other songs on that album. And so when he, when he does that song, he comes back out and goes, hey, you guys got any, uh, you guys got any more? <laughs> so that's how it ended up being on uh, the whole thing. And those drums, those are unmistakably Dave Grohl drums on that song. Yeah, no, he had his guys bring in his drum set. It's his guy who set it up, his mics and, you know what I'm saying, the whole thing. You worked with Pharrell as well. And Pharrell's a Virginia Beach guy. It's not the same thing. And people, Northern Virginia and Virginia Beach, two totally different places. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yes. But how did how did you get, um, how did Pharrell find you? Well, because we, because after, after that, uh, the Dave experience, we, they asked us like, okay, so, you know, is there anybody else you guys want to work with? Like now that we're, you know, we got this out the way. Make your wish list. Yeah. Wish list or whatever. We were like, now that you mention it. <laughs> so at this, around about the same time, Pharrell had heard I Love Lamb, the demo, before Dave drummed on it, the demo uh, in an A&R meeting at Universal. So, you know, he just came in, they were playing them all, you know, all the A&Rs have their bands and everything. And so they have a listening party, whatever. They play our stuff and he's like, yo, like, what's that? And so then he finds out about us there. And then at the same time, we had brought, we had threw his name in the hat. So then it was sort of easier to kind of make that connection um, or make that connection happen. And so, again, I can't really stress enough. Like, yeah, you, got, you guys are lucky. Now, since then, you're no longer on a major label, correct? Correct. So what, is the, what has the process been like post-Universal? Do you like being kind of your own bosses and your own... What do you enjoy about being an independent artist now? Accountability. You can hold yourself accountable um, in a very different way than if if so many other people are involved. You know, um, it's it's difficult to have a plan yourself and say this is what we want to do, and then someone who, you know, presumably has been doing this for years comes in and says, no, we think it should go like this. 
you know, at first, our first time around, we were like, I guess you guys know what you're talking about, right? I mean, clearly you guys are the ones with all, you know, you guys have the budget, you guys have all the artists, you guys know how this works. We, we chalked that up to like, yo, that was our bad. You know, we were maybe naive at the time, we were too trusting or whatever, but there were certain things that happened along the way that we were not sure we should have gone through with, but we did and it didn't really pan out. So now if we make certain decisions, it's just on us. It's just like your regular, regular everyday life. You know, if you wake up late and you go to work late, that's on you. If you underperform, that's on you. You know what I mean? Like, so we, we enjoyed that more. Obviously the major label budgets and the major label infrastructure is kind of nice. You can't lie about that, but it's more, more fulfilling to just kind of build your own house. Yeah, totally. Tell me about your guitar style, where that came from. How long have you been playing? You know, who did you try to emulate growing up? That kind of thing. Okay. Well, I first got, I got my very first guitar in the, was it the Christmas of 2004? So basically since the top of 2005, I've, I've had a guitar. This was back before our first band, the one with Blue, it was called The Five One. Um, so that was around that time. But then uh, I first started teaching, basically teaching myself on YouTube, like looking up, I didn't even know what a tab was at the time, but so I find out what tabs are and I like started learning things that way. And one of the albums that had come out at the time was Green Day's American Idiot. And so I remember thinking to myself like, yo, Green Day, they just, they just take certain chords and just rearrange the order. But like they play the same, like they're not doing anything complicated. It's not Bossa Nova. It's not, it's not, you know what I'm saying? Avant-garde jazz. Like they're not doing anything crazy from a guitar perspective. So I was like, there's some fundamentals here where like positioning of a chord and chord changes. There's something I can learn from, from that. So I listened to their album. I learned how to play most of the song. Um, just to uh, just to get a grip of like where the sounds come from, where certain things feel as you're playing them. So I was sort of learning from from American Idiot. Um, but then also, like I previously mentioned, Rage Against the Machine was one of our favorite groups as a whole, uh, as a band. And I used to go to sleep listening to the first uh, first and second album. Like I'd put it on my I had the CD or whatever, so I put it on my Xbox. And then I just let it play all night while I'm sleeping. You know? Yeah, um, Tom Morello is a really interesting guy to be an introduction to the kind of music that you want to play. Yeah. And, but my, my situation from a guitar perspective is not one where you can look at my influences and necessarily say, I can, Oh, now that he said that's his influences, I can tell in his playing. No, I don't, I don't hear you're not using the effects pedals. First of all, you're not like a, you know, doing crazy emulation. Right. So it's, it's like, it's just things that I learned and then I just, I just pick up the guitar and play it however I want to play it, you know, because I, I would never say like, I've got, you know, so many chops or I don't even call myself a musician. Like I know that musicians would have to like try out for Prince's band. And then like, you got, you know what I'm saying? You're a musician at that level. Yeah. Like, if you're playing with Stevie Wonder, like, you know, your instrument, like I don't have that many, I don't have that many styles. I can't, you know what I'm saying? I just pick up the instrument and play what I need it to play so that I can make the song I want to make, you know? So where did the, the color identity come from taking on 
you know, your red and, and you have green and gold. Where, where did that, why did you decide to go with, and you've had that, the, you've obviously had the color thing going on since high school. So tell me about how that came about. Yeah, right after high school. It started with me, honestly, where I just realized that I like, I like looking at the color red. And then I also like wearing the color red. So I was like, well, why don't I just wear more of it? You know, like it was that simple. And then as it, as it sort of developed, I'm hanging out with the other guys and they have like red shoes or they have a red shirt, whatever. And I come over there and I'm like, yo, that's a nice red shirt. Oh, I like those shoes. And now it's in a sense, it's like I'm bringing them into whatever my identity is because red is my thing. And now I'm saying that I'm essentially saying you're like me because you have red stuff like I have red stuff. But then it's like, no, each person is their own person. So that's how the, the, the branching out of the color sort of kind of happened organically. You know what I mean? Blue was like, nah, like I like blue stuff. So blue's my shit. And then green's like, well, duh, green's my shit. So it's like, it was just real straightforward. It wasn't, it wasn't like some round table meeting about, okay, we're going to put together a band and then this is the shtick. Like it wasn't yeah. even like, you know? You released an album, your third LP last year. And I know from um, talking to your publicist that you're in writing sessions, at least for the next album. Tell me about what fans can expect for your next recording. For the album coming up, which should have been coming up a lot sooner, but now we have a global pandemic on our hands. So, um, so yeah, but the, the, the album we are working on is a story because again, going back to one of the groups that we all loved is a UK rap group. It's a single guy called The Streets. And he has this album called A Grand Don't Come For Free. And he's from the beginning to the end, he's telling this whole story and there's all these twists and turns and it's the music coincides with the like, the feeling of the lyrical content. And then, so it's this whole, we think it's a masterpiece, you know? And um, we had always been and this is from probably, two, I don't even know when, 2001, maybe even earlier. It came out a long time ago. And so we'd always been really interested in that. I do hear a little bit of a grime and UK garage influence mm -hmm. in, in your music. So you yeah. did you get into Dizzy Rascal and all that stuff? Oh, listen, my Spotify, when Spotify does that yearly and recap thing. Yeah. My whole, my whole top five was UK artists. It was like Kano, AJ Tracy, Giggs, like my whole top, like the whole year. I've just been listening to it all year long, you know? I've got a grime playlist that's like probably four hours long. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I enjoy it so much. I was having this conversation with Green and our old tour manager just yesterday, actually. The reason why I enjoy that music so much is because it's the same language that we speak but it isn't, <laughs> you know? Like there was a line in particular where one of the rappers, it's like one of the hard rappers gigs, he was like, I came from the dirt like a parsnip. And in, in America, you can't rhyme the word, par you can't say parsnip. And so there's just certain sensibilities within the language that makes the music inherently unique and different. And so a lot of times because Gold's from Romania, Green's from, you know, Haiti, I'm from California, whatever. I lived in Bolivia, I speak Spanish, whatever. So we talk about languages all the time. Like, oh, how do you say this in your, how do you say this? Well, we say this like that and you say this. So now when you go over to another version of English 
and you're like, these people are just talking about parsnips and rap songs. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just very, for me, it's just very interesting linguistically. I'll let you go here. I appreciate you talking to me. I'm glad we could finally do this. And yeah, no um, I wish you luck on the new album. Thank you, man. Thank you. We have, uh, yeah, our new album, it's going to be streaming on Spotify and Apple Music, Amazon, you know, the whole deal. We've got music videos. Do you have a release date? Uh, we would have had a release date had we been able to play this thing out a certain way, but now... It is what it is, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, for us too, it's not uncommon for us to go be with a bunch of people for tours than to come back sort of home and like sort of self-isolate in a sense. Like we go in the studios with like a small group of people. We don't, you know what I'm saying? We're not like at parties every single day of the week. You know what I mean? So it's not uncommon, you know, the way our job is set up for us to just be working on laptops anyways, you know? So yeah. Not too much has changed other than we had to cancel. Right. A lot of musicians are kind of hermits anyway. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me and uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Thanks for listening to the Pop Dust Podcast. I'm Jordan Edwards. You can find me at jordanedwardsstudio.com or on Instagram at jordanedwardsstudio.com.